go make friends. Historically, you probably, you know, you identity practitioners haven't had a lot of reason to go collaborate with the endpoint security team, but you will. You either have now or you will in the future. And it's a good idea to establish those relationships ahead of time. Mobile workforces, cloud applications, and digitalization are changing every aspect of the modern enterprise. And with radical transformation come new business risks. Welcome to Hybrid Identity Protection, the premier podcast for cybersecurity pros charged with defending hybrid identity environments. Presented by Semperis, the pioneers of identity-driven cyber resilience for the hybrid enterprise. And now, here's your host, 15-time Microsoft MVP and active directory security expert, Sean Duby. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HIP podcast. Endpoint detection and response is probably the most visible aspect of cybersecurity today. What most of us know as antivirus has moved way beyond those days, at least in the corporate world. But identity people typically have little involvement in endpoint detection and response. I mean, it's way out on the endpoint, and we tend to be in the infrastructure. And Therefore, many, and I include myself in that category until recently, know next to nothing about it. But the times are changing, and the endpoint and identity worlds are moving closer and closer together. And as my guest today says, you should be having lunch with them. Paul Lanzi is co-founder and COO at Remediant, which focuses on privileged access governance solutions. So he's an identity nerd too. But he does many other things. He leads a technical working group at the Identity Defined Security Alliance, who you've heard on this podcast before. He is a member of the SKIM working group. SKIM is an identity provisioning and deprovisioning standard. Uh, He collaborates on many NIST projects and does a whole lot of other support for the technical community, really a sort of a, a technical philanthropist. So welcome, Paul. I'm very glad to have you on the podcast today. Well, thanks, Sean. I have to say, no one's ever called me a technical philanthropist before. I kind of like that one. I might get a t-shirt made. Yeah, there's a lot of syllables in that. So you're going to maybe have to have it be two lines. I also forgot to mention that Paul spoke at our fall HIP conference last year. Insert shameless plug here. If you go to hipconf.com and uh, you look up Paul Lanza, you'll see his talk on XDR and EDR and where it's going. But that's sort of also what we're going to talk about today, right? Absolutely. And, and uh, if you watch the talk, you actually get to see my face. So it's probably better to stick to the podcast, honestly. <laughs> so when I wasn't looking, Paul, antivirus, you know, on the endpoint, went from being, you know, antivirus, look for virus signatures, download latest virus, you know, all that sort of stuff. It turned into something called EDR. Now, I haven't been on the front lines uh, for a few years, so maybe I should have seen that. But uh, there's been an evolution in how you protect the endpoint, how you protect the end user and their PC uh, or their Mac. How did antivirus turn into EDR and what, <laughs> what does EDR stand for? Yeah, absolutely. And, and with all the caveats in the world, I, you know, Remedia is not an EDR company. I get to hang out with really smart people uh, that do EDR uh, every day. Uh, we have a number of integrations with EDR solutions, but uh, with all the caveats that uh, I don't actually make an EDR solution. So what you'll hear today is the perspective of an identity-centric company that gets to integrate with lots of EDR solutions. Perfect. Uh, but your question is a great one, which is, I also remember the days of antivirus and getting those pop-ups in you know, MS-DOS and early versions of Windows. Hey, like we detected some 
something on this file? Would you like to delete the file uh, or would you like to ignore it? And those were pretty much your two response actions when it came to those antivirus. And even the next generation antivirus solutions, your choices were, hey, get rid of this file that you somehow acquired that appears to have something in it that you don't want anymore. Uh, and that worked okay. That worked okay. But the problem was is uh, malware authors got smarter and started being able to bypass those signature-based detections, or the infections were able to affect their own spread across enterprises much more rapidly than the antivirus solutions could detect them, uh, we needed something better, right? The industry needed something better. And that's really where EDR came about. EDR stands for Endpoint Detection Response. But the basic idea was that if an infection was detected on one computer, actions could be taken across the entire environment by the EDR solution that would help stop the spread of the infection. Uh, and that was really the big differentiator between sort of the next generation antivirus solutions and uh, what we call EDR today. So the difference you could perhaps summarize the difference between AV and EDR is that in traditional antivirus, it's restricted to one PC, but EDR, the scope or the knowledge expands to all of the PCs within the EDR scope. That's right, exactly. And even thinking about expanding that even beyond that specific company's EDR installation and thinking about getting the network effects of you know, an EDR maker uh, being deployed at, you know, they say, thousands of enterprises and being able to spread knowledge and threat information between those customers uh, as well. And so this, this attacks the, the issue of you can have a, a, an issue at one company become well-known at one company, but the company right next door has no visibility into it because of, and so so the EDR works as sort of a a clearinghouse and an anonymizer uh, between the uh, between the organizations. Yeah, that's right for that threat information. So just like we did with signature based detections before, uh, that required though the antivirus makers to get a copy of the malware, whatever it was, the virus, and then create the signature and then deploy the signatures, you know, roughly once a week or something like that. Uh, the EDR solution makers are able to respond a lot more quickly to uh, to new threats that crop up. And they put some kind of machine learning or, or intelligence behind it, and this are, are these typically cloud solutions, the EDRs, uh, that the, these reported to a cloud or they're on on-premises central point? It's a combination of both. And, uh, and some of them have AI ML claims. Some of them don't. Some of them are solely on-prem. Some of them are cloud-based only. Some of them are hybrid. So yeah, you can definitely pick your poison when it comes to, uh, to choosing your EDR solution. Right. Okay. Okay. So we've got, we've got antivirus <clears throat> and then we've got uh, endpoint detection and response. But I also hear about XDR. What the, what the heck is XDR? Yeah, other than a brand new marketing term. Yeah, yeah. Control H and replace E with X, and it's all new. Lemon scented. Buy ours. Yeah, I, I really love this quote from one of the Gartner analysts, uh, Peter Firstbrook, that covers this space. He estimated that something like 80% of the XDR, quote unquote, XDR solutions that get launched in the new, next few years will actually lack basic XDR capabilities. So he was a little bit critical of these uh, marketing only approaches to, to a new product category. Um, but there is something, there, there is a there there. Uh, so the X in XDR stands for extended detection and response. Um, the basic idea, though, is that whereas EDR solutions are thinking about endpoint security, right, they can do things like, um, you know, reformat the drive on an endpoint or isolate that specific endpoint from the network. 
XDR solutions are a bit different in that they're able to tap into other parts of the InfoSec stack uh, inside the company as part of the response to detecting malware or some sort of uh, infection running around the, the organization. Is this where the concept of a SOAR comes into play or is this as a SOAR <clears throat> separate from an EDR solution? This would be somewhat separate from an EDR XDR solution. So SOAR, um, and, and I say this as a huge fan of SOAR, right? So I, I personally uh, have deployed SOAR solutions in, in my previous life as a project manager. I think that SOAR has an enormous amount of value for organizations. Uh, let, let's stop for a second and let's make sure that to explain the difference between a seam, a sore, and and your dry cleaner down the street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is some overlap between these categories, but a seam basically is about event collection uh, and some degree of alerting. Um, a sore tool takes that to the next level by also layering and response capability. So uh, an event comes in that's interesting, creates an alert, and then the sore is able to take some sort of response action. Uh, as as part of that. Now, I think the thing, I, I say this again as a huge fan of SOAR, but I don't think we ever really realized the R part of SOAR, the response capability of SOAR, because it required so many engineering resources on the customer side to actually implement a lot of those response actions. Uh, it just wasn't something that was feasible for most enterprises to actually implement. Bit of a digression, but I think it's interesting. So SOARs uh, they're not very common in the enterprise today that I gather. So what you're saying is it's the integration is the hard part. They have to be integrated with all the heterogeneous components that we have on-premises? Well, I think the hypothesis is a good one because you have to integrate with those uh, other solutions in order to get the, the feeds from them to feed into your, 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 basically get the event feeds from them anyway. So I think the hypothesis was, well, heck, if I have to hook up to, say, Active Directory in order to get the, the feed of data coming from Active Directory, then using that same conduit to then be able to take response actions in Active Directory, well, that makes a lot of sense, right? You've already had to configure it once. Why not turn that into a two-way street? I just think the reality has been that that turned out to not be so much the case, that a lot of SOARs are used to collect events and do alerting, similar to what a SIM does. Uh, but the response part proved to be very difficult for all but the largest enterprises to actually implement. Much easier to implement, to do a basic implementation. It's when you get to all the integrations that things slow down. Precisely. Uh, and yeah. well, even once you have the integrations, the other aspect that I can imagine it takes a lot of time is if you're going to have an automated response, you really want to test that carefully before you let loose Skynet on your corporate network. Yeah, it takes a lot of faith. Uh, you have to put a lot of faith into your SOAR tool. Yeah, but this is part of what XDR was trying to uh, tackle as well. And so the promise from an XDR perspective is that, yes, now you can take those response actions in other parts of your InfoSec stack. But it won't require the degree of care feeding and engineering that a source solution would. Those are much closer to one-click integrations than they were to the, hey, hiring, hire a complete security engineering team to implement a SOAR solution that we've seen in the past. As an identity person, and this is an identity podcast, and I'm talking about this in context of, of identity, identity people have typically been very far away from this, but as you say, it's coming closer and closer. Explain to us how that's how that's happening. What's coming with these uh, more and more intelligent tools? Yeah, I like to say that endpoint security or server security that has historically, from an identity 
financial insurance perspective. It's always been someone else's problem, right? Yep. It's the, yep. the team down the hall or around the corner, maybe it's probably often in the basement uh, where you know the endpoint folks live, right? They're the ones that are selecting the EDR solutions or the you know desktop device backup solutions, et cetera. It's a, this typically hasn't been a lot of interaction with the identity teams. Um, but like I was saying with XDR, part of the promise is that it can take response actions in other parts of the InfoSec stack. So whereas EDR solutions were taking endpoint-centric response actions, like isolate this thing from the network or reformat the drive or block USB ports or whatever, XDR solutions are increasingly are starting to want to take identity-related response actions. And that means that uh, the XDR team, the endpoint security team, is coming to talk to you soon if they haven't already. Uh, and it, I think it's probably better for identity practitioners to be aware of that ahead of time uh, rather than be surprised by, hey, we're turning on this integration tomorrow. We're going to start disabling AD accounts, which might, might come as a bit of an unpleasant surprise. You just touched on a, an important point, I think. What types of identity stores do these tools typically tap into? Yeah, so we've seen them tie, tie into IDPs of different kinds, right? So we've seen we've seen some of the XDR solutions start to tie into, say, Azure Active Directory. We've seen some of them tie into on-prem AD. We've seen some of them tie into non-Active Directory directory stores, other kind, other forms of IDPs. Um, we've seen some of them tie into SSO solutions as well to block further authentications as part of the response actions. So we're starting to see them appear, but it's mostly in the, hey, let's stop this user from doing literally anything as part of the response uh, to finding an infection in the network. So what would be a typical use case between what an XDR that was Active Directory integrated, how would that, how would that progress? What would that timeline look like? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And I'm, I'm going to seize on the word typical here just slightly because this is, I want to be clear, this is still an emerging thing. Um, the XDR team may have woken up and purchased something for your company, and, and then that team may have come and may have already come talk to you, Mr. Identity Practitioner or Mrs. Identity Practitioner, but they probably haven't yet. This is still a pretty emerging category. So when we say sort of typical uh, integration points, we're still talking only about a couple of the XDR solutions integrating with a couple of the directory or identity stores. I think that this is going to, and my hypothesis here is that this accelerates significantly over the next relatively short period of time, I'd say 18 to 24 months. Uh, because the capability is actually so powerful once you get XDR and identity solutions working to and talking to each other. But just to give you one example of what, what I've seen actually deployed in the field is having an XDR solution that as part of the response to, say, finding an infection on Bob's laptop is to go disable Bob's Active Directory account which means that even if the malware has been able to steal Bob's credentials out of memory or from the keystroke logging or some other method, the malware can no longer use Bob's account credentials to spread laterally in the network because the account's been disabled uh, in Active Directory. Un that has the unfortunate side effect of completely blocking Bob out of everything. <laughs> so Bob Bob can't check his email anymore. Bob can't potentially can't even get into the building. Uh, Bob can't get onto uh, various business applications. But that's sort of where we're at today as far as the sophistication of uh, XDR and identity response actions. Right. Okay. As my security friends would say, too bad, so sad. But no, but the ability, because we know, and we, I love stating this because it's an appalling statistic is that it's 90 plus percent of malware attacks, threat actors use Active Directory to move around. The idea of being able to, upon detection of compromise on an, on an endpoint, to be able to hobble their ability to enumerate directory resources 
and to be able to move laterally is a big advantage. And so you're saying that this is a nascent capability and presumably recognizing that even just that most basic capability is a, is a big boost. A huge boost. And we've seen one of the biggest of the XDR makers out there acquire an identity security company last year and integrate that into their product stack, or sorry, the year before last, and integrate that into their product feature set. Uh, I think that that is a harbinger of more to come. I think that other XDR solution makers are going to look at that and say, hey, where's our identity play, right? How do we tie into these identity systems, whether they're IDPs or other things? How can we also take some of these identity-centric response actions? Uh, there's going to be, I think, a bit of a race to catch up to some of these market-leading capabilities that are out there today. We had mentioned, in, in, as we were talking before the call, that one of the aspects of this is the ability to make fine-grained changes instead of draconian changes, you know, the on or off of an account, or being able to analyze what group membership they're a part of and take actions from there. But what I see is the evolution of nuance and the, the ability to handle this, I guess, is where I'm going. Oh, for sure. I think it's the same evolution of nuance that we saw in the endpoint-centric response actions, right? So back in the antivirus days, when it gave you that pop-up, hey, do you want to delete this file that seems to have some infection? Your choices were to delete it or ignore it and let it run wild. Uh, that eventually evolved into, let's quarantine the file, let's keep the file intact, but remove the infected part. Uh, let's do smart things with that file that were more nuanced than just go you know, bludgeon it to death, right? And we're going to see the, exactly the same evolution as it relates to identity-centric response actions. Uh, it's going to go from, all right, let's disable Bob's account in Active Directory so he literally can't, the account can't be used for literally anything, to things like, and this is where uh, somewhat selfishly Remedian comes in, uh, let's think about how do we restrict Bob's privilege access so that Bob can keep doing his normal day-to-day -day job, but we'll take away any admin rights he has in the, in the environment so that the malware can't use his compromised credentials to go infect other systems. Right. Use, using least privilege as another layer of defense. Exactly. With the definition of least drastically changing uh, when an infection is detected that threatens Bob's credentials, for instance. So everything, everything short of locking him out. That's exactly right. So that Bob can still get his email and <laughs> write, write a, an impassioned letter to the CTO saying, oh, please turn my account back on. I've deleted the infection or uh, you know, the desktop team came by and right. cleaned, cleaned this up. I promised not to click on phishing links anymore. Uh, please turn my admin rights back on. What about hybrid implications of this? How does this work on the surface? It sounds very on-premises. How does this work for hybrid environments? Yeah, well, I think we've seen malware spreads, uh, malware spread using compromised hybrid credentials as well. So there's some great examples out there of entire organizations not only having their on-prem infrastructure essentially encrypted or have you know infected by malware, but also their hybrid infrastructure as it spreads as the these sort of infections spread between their on-prem and cloud infrastructures. So I think that this problem of identity spread of malware exists as much for on-prem as it does for, for cloud solutions. And, and the XDR solutions are working on that as well? That's right. So some of the XDR solutions out there are on-prem only, some are cloud-based, some are hybrid. I think increasingly the expectation is going to be that your XDR solution covers your whole estate whether your entire hybrid estate. And I, the, they're going to have to bring their identity response capabilities along with them as they think about the hybrid estate. Right. Well, one of the things that we've certainly seen in the identity business, and I know you've seen it as well, Paul, is 
moving from we were talking about, you know, going to Identiverse and Cloud Identity Summit over the years and seeing identity being a, a niche part of IT and sort of becoming closer and closer to the center. So we're seeing technologies come to us because thanks to Zero Trust, hmm. you know, uh, one of the Zero, uh, we can get on a whole digression here. Zero trust uh, is, yeah, you do have to trust eventually, but you have to establish the trust. And one of the things that the pieces of trust that you have to establish is the identity. And so they're coming, they're coming to the identity people. So what's your takeaway for the identity people listening to this call, besides understanding a little bit more about EDR and XDR and where they're going? What should they put on their action item list? Uh, well, I think you, you called it at the top of the podcast, which was exactly right, which is go make friends. Historically, you probably, you know, you identity practitioners haven't had a lot of reason to go collaborate with the endpoint security team, uh, but you will. You either have now or you will in the future. And it's a good idea to establish those relationships ahead of time. I was actually just talking about this yesterday with someone about how, you know, in companies, uh, so much of the work gets done because of the informal networks that exist, not so much because of the formal reporting relationships. And so, you know, this podcast can serve as notice that there's probably on someone's uh, roadmap, someone's project roadmap, an implementation of an XDR solution that will involve an identity solution as part of the response capabilities. And if you have established those informal networks ahead of time, it's going to make that implementation a lot less painful for you and for the, the company. So you, the identity professional, don't know it yet, but you're already a stakeholder in an important security project that's coming up. That's right. They're, they're coming. They're coming. <laughs> they are coming. Anyone that's been involved in, for example, setting up SSO for enterprise applications know it's a whole lot easier to be involved at the beginning than it is to than it is to retrofit it in and try to shoehorn it into place. So yeah, lines of communication are are super super important. So yeah. so go check out your lunches as you're st starting to get together again and start start having regular lunches with your security people. Yeah, absolutely. Because if they haven't already chosen an XDR solution, there may be even an option or a, a capability of influencing the XDR. Uh, purchase choice so that uh, the XDR purchase choice is made with the identity the identity stack you already own and love and maintain uh, in mind so that they don't go you know they the endpoint team go don't go out and pick an XDR solution that's completely incompatible with the identity uh, stack that you already have in, in place today yeah that makes a lot of sense so I'll leave it at that because we know how often things that should make sense don't happen so this <laughs> is a good it's easier to do these things up front absolutely. Well, thank you, Paul. I really appreciate your insight. I, this is not an area that I necessarily knew a lot about. Well, thanks, Sean. It was great getting to chat with you today. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for joining us on the Hybrid Identity Protection Podcast with Sean Duby. Be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Visit hipconf.com, that's H-I-P-C-O-N-F.com to learn about upcoming events, view expert presentations, and take part in the conversation.